Man with the Gold Gun tries to incorporate some of that. Tries. He tries. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Gold Diamonds and Death, a James Bond podcast. I am your double O host, Jonathan Watkins. I am a writer for All Things Under the Cinema Sins brand name and a co-host of the Behind the Sins podcast. Joining me each and every week for this endeavor, he's the co-founder of Cinema Sins and co-host of the weekly podcast Recotopia, and has a third nipple. Mm. Nobody, a lot of people didn't know yep, that. Yep. Mm-hmm. I had a fourth one surgically removed. <laughs> And one of my good friends, of course, we were talking about Mr. Chris Atkinson. How are you today? I'm doing all right, man. You ready to talk about some some golden guns? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's start talking about these golden guns. And we will uh, get behind the scenes in a segment we like to call Eon Flux. This is a journey. I'm going to make a movie. We have to go back, Kate. Wow. How did you know all that stuff? I did my research. I don't understand any of this. What the fuck is going on? We're going to scour through the history of Eon Productions, give you all the highs and lows that went into the making of these films. Real quick, uh, before I get into this, I get a lot of my information from online, but I also have been reading this book called Nobody Does It Better by Mark A. Altman and Edward Gross. I uh, highly recommend that if anyone is interested in, you know, just knowing every single thing uh, that, that happened uh, with the makings of these movies. This is the ninth film in the official franchise. It's the second with Roger Moore as Bond. Uh, well, <laughs> I said that as if he's in another Bond movie playing somebody else. No, this is his, mm-hmm. this is the second mm-hmm. Roger Moore movie in the franchise. He played uh, Goldfinger in Goldfinger. <laughs> yeah, you exactly. didn't know that. Yeah, weird. Exactly. Mm-hmm. By the way, there's a weird rumor about the Mod Adam about Mod Adams that. Because, you know, she shows back up in Octopussy mm-hmm. as Octopussy. But there's also, there was this weird rumor for the longest time that people swore they saw her in a scene in A View to a Kill. Hmm. Uh, everybody behind the scenes says that's not true. But maybe when we get to that, I'll try to remember what that scene is and we can look for it. Yeah. But anyway, this is also Mark's uh, the fourth and final film in the series uh, directed by Guy Hamilton. Uh, so he's back. This is his last, uh, this is his last foray into Bond where he's yet again, uh, kind of trying to remake Goldfinger, mm-hmm. I would argue. Mm-hmm. Uh, script was written by Tom Makowitz's back, uh, but they did eventually bring Richard Maybaum back. So we've got May we got some Maybaum in the house on this one. Mm-hmm. This was when this was being made. It was uh, the 1973 energy crisis was like the the big news story, and so that's why they actually ended up using that to, as a backdrop for a theme in the film. Also, a MacGuffin in the film, mm-hmm. uh, which which we'll get into. Um, the other thing, which I had forgotten about this, because uh, we were talking about last week how Live and Let Die did kind of dive into some of the black exploitation areas, uh, which was a popular, another popular type of film was martial art films. Mm. And uh, <laughs> Man with the Gold Gun tries to incorporate some of that. Uh, tries. He tries. <laughs> mm-hmm. I would never, ever think of this as a martial arts film, but there is a scene where Roger Moore has to use like has to use martial Very arts. Very unconvincingly fight off beats up a guy way better than him at martial <laughs> arts. Yes. Um, so, anyways, yeah, we're in martial arts films. Martial arts films. Uh, younger people like because I think like at least through like what the mid '80s that was pretty big. Like, I mean, 
Because in the 80s, yeah. it definitely incorporated itself into American movies. You had stuff like The Karate Kid and The Last Dragon. And- but in the 70s, you've got Bruce Lee going and a host of other films that did not even make it here. But oh, God, yeah. were just just huge in uh, in other parts of the world. So, the, yeah, the martial arts movies were, were going crazy at this yeah. point. And we even talked about that in uh, You Only Live Twice. And they brought yes. in the you know, the the dojo or whatever mm-hmm. in that one. Like, martial arts movies weren't big then. And we even kind of, like, yeah. wondered if maybe the Bond movies yeah, exactly. kind of I, I remember weirdly s- kick-started yeah, it off. because that was interesting to me because that wasn't something. I mean, maybe there were some being made overseas, but, like, they definitely weren't as prominent. I mean, beginning of the 70s, you've got Fist of Fury and Enter the Dragon. Yeah, but even in the Wikipedia search where you put in martial arts as the the genre keyword, there wasn't very many uh, anywhere else in the world either around that time. So it was, it was kind of cool. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, yeah, so, so they definitely dive into that, and uh, it's, you know, not it's not great, but we'll talk about that later, I guess. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. The film was shot, though, overseas in a lot of places like Thailand, Hong Kong, Macau. Uh, this would be the last co-production uh, with Broccoli and Harry Saltzman. Uh, Saltzman had some financial issues, and so he sold his 50% uh, in the company after this film was released. That also ends up kind of interfering with the production of the next film. Uh, they had This one was already in production, and, and he... Uh, so you actually get one of the shortest gaps between Bond films with Live and Let Die and Man with Golden Gun. I think... One of the longer ones, right? What is what no, you meant. well, Live and Let Die and Man with the Golden Gun, there's only like 13 months or something. Because Live and Let Die came out in 73... Man with the Golden Gun comes out at the end of seventy four. Uh, I thought you said uh, I thought you said Spy Who. No, I'm that, sorry. I thought you said yeah. Spy Who Loved Me for some reason. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, 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 I, no you're I fine. Got my 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 titles mixed no, up. No, no, yeah. you're fine. Yeah, and and I and I was gonna get to that, but I was thinking the um, I think Doctor No One from Russia with Love is pretty close to that, but it's one of the shortest gaps. But then you have, as of this time, the longest gap after Man with the Golden Gun is made, Spy Who Loved Me doesn't come mm-hmm. out for three whole years, which we would totally mm-hmm. love that now because now it's like every eight years we get one. <laughs> but, um, yeah. but back then it was every two. It was one and a half or two years. And you had a new, I mean, from uh, 62 to 74, there's nine Bond films, you know, in 12 years mm-hmm. or whatever. It's crazy. Uh, it's like the Friday the 13th films in the 80s. Um, yeah. And um, but but then we do get a bit of a gap after this because of some. I think some of it had to do with Maybomb. I think some of the stuff did still have to do because I think they were trying to. I, we'll get into that. We talk about Spy Love Me, but I think they were trying to get Blofeld back in this or Spectre. Just all that kind of stuff was going on. And so mm-hmm. there was a bit of a gap. But that's more for, for next week. But I thought it was worth mentioning. Um, and the fact that it was the last co-production uh with saltzman so yeah let's talk about the cast uh obviously we got roger moore uh christopher lee plays the villain uh he was yeah. uh he was uh ian fleming's step cousin and i guess we did talk about this in dr no that i think we did if not fleming really wanted christopher lee to play dr no so his mm-hmm. name's kind of been kind of been around the uh the the movies since back then um and um lee if you guys i would think most people now younger people probably know him from star wars prequels uh, he was duke yeah, right lord of the rings and lord of what? the rings uh, he was was he yeah. soren is uh <laughs> saruman saruman sorry yeah guys i'm yeah. not i'm not like a lord of the rings expert at all like yeah, and, yeah. and by and by that i mean i know nothing uh i've watched mm-hmm. i watched the movies when they came out but uh but uh i know him i i don't know i don't know how much you really watched him when you were younger but like i well i was young young when i started watching these but the hammer horror films uh yeah, I think I've seen one Lee Hammer vampire 
gotcha. uh, film, uh, and it may not have been one of the better ones either. Um, but I I do know that in the behind the scenes, they I think it was either Saltzman or Broccoli said, "I'm tired of seeing you play Dracula all the time. Let's play this. Let's play I, this role." I think it's so cool though. Now he didn't play he didn't play these characters. He played Dracula. Like I can't remember. It's like eight or I think of the Hammer Dracula films, he's he's not in one of them. I know he's not in Brides of Dracula. But mm-hmm. I think he's in all the other ones. There's there's like eight, maybe. I don't know. I've seen I've seen them all, with the exception, oddly enough, he makes one around this time called Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires. I actually own this, but mm-hmm. I just haven't watched it. And that is a kung fu movie with vampires. Mm-hmm. It was the last mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. Hammer Dracula series. But anyways, yeah, no, he's great. He's Dracula. He also played uh, the mummy in the first Hammer Mummy film. He also played Frankenstein's monster uh, in Curse of Frankenstein, which which might be my favorite uh, Hammer uh, film they really get frankenstein right like the frankenstein movies in that cycle are so much fun uh, mm-hmm. but those are also some of the better ones in universal so maybe it's just something about that character um he was also in the wicker man which was the the year before this yep. with uh yeah with brett eckland who's also in this movie the uh, there was a funny uh uh thing that uh a friend of of all, uh, all things sins uh, his name's patrick mm-hmm. Uh, sent to me um, a while back, and it showed it showed a side by side. It says a spy on one side <laughs> of the. It says Roger Moore on the right, a policeman from Wickerman. <laughs> on the left, it says, and on both of them, on the next row, it says, "Goes to a remote and mysterious <laughs> island." Down below that, where he's where he's seduced by Britt Eklund. <laughs> And then underneath, and a villainous Christopher <laughs> Lee tries to harness the power of the sun. In on in both in both of those movies, I did not think about it that much detail. It's been a couple years since I watched Wicker Man, but uh, and we're not talking about the Nicolas Cage. Mm -hmm. It's very true. It's extremely true. It's not you're not stretching. That that's the great thing about that. When you're not stretching, I finally watched the Nicolas Cage Wicker Man like maybe a year ago because we actually talked. It was a it was an older sins video that was being brought up in the newsletter. Also, go to cinemasins.com and sign up for the newsletter. It's really cool, but. So I watched it because we were going to talk about it on Behind the Sins, and I hadn't seen it, and it's terrible. But uh, but it's also kind of amazing. But I really, I wish they had brought, like, they should have brought Britt Eklund back just to have her do, like, mm-hmm. that scene where she's pounding on the walls and dancing. <laughs> oh Seducing the policeman. Uh, I yeah. think she still could have pulled it off in, mm-hmm. you know, 2006 I think so or too. whatever that was. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is still alive, isn't she? I feel Absolutely. Really bad. She's, yeah, that's right. She I thought is. She she's was. 80. Um, so anyway, so yeah, let's talk about Brett Eckhart. Oh, oh, real quick on the Christopher Lee thing. Uh, huh? Brett Eklund. <laughs> oh, I you did, said I Brett did. Eckhart. Aaron Eckhart. Uh, yeah. Brett, uh, Brett Eklund. No, yeah. but first yeah. though, before I get to Brit, Brit Eklund, uh, Jack Palance, mm. uh, was originally offered the role of, uh, of Scaramanga. Mm-hmm. We haven't even said his name. It's, this movie has like badass elements that I love. Scar, yeah. the name Scaramanga mm-hmm. is one of my favorite, uh, villain names yeah uh, and christopher lee's quite good in this movie uh but uh brit eckland plays mary goodnight uh Eckle, we already mentioned she was also in the wicker man also married for a time to peter sellers who we talked about in casino royale yeah the 1967 casino royale. yep had uh, yep. had a kid with him yep. in the 60s and uh was married to someone else by the time this movie came out so we got brit eckland and uh we just mentioned the things of her and so yeah she plays mary goodnight which is a it's it's a very controversial role uh, in a lot of ways when you look at what people say about the film. Um, I'm kind of in the middle, mm-hmm. I think, but we can talk about that more in the review. Uh, Maude Adams is the, mm-hmm. uh, she plays Andrea Anders, which is Scaramanga's um, mistress. Is it, it's Scaramanga, right? It's Manga 
or is it manga? I think I've heard. I think Scaramanga was, manga manga what, was what I think I heard, but it's one I think, of those, it, think so, but it it could be Scaramanga. Yeah, but I think, I think you're right. But Scaramanga. it's one of those names. Like if you say it enough one way, you're like maybe that is right. Uh, I think you wouldn't want to get that scar in there. That's what you yeah. Maybe scare yeah, works too it is, though. Scare, but it is actually eh, spelled scar, so that makes sense. Uh, mm-hmm. Adam uh, Maude Adams is interesting because she actually shows up again as uh, the title character in Octopussy. Um, mm-hmm. I honestly cannot remember for the life of me if she's a villain or not because I haven't seen that movie in so long. But I know she's Octopussy. Uh, Herve Herve Villachez plays Nick Knack. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're we've got man these these uh. These henchmen names in the '70s Bond films are are pretty terrible. Well, Mister Mister Went Mister Kid mm-hmm. was fine, but uh, but we had heat. We had Teehee in last week. Tee-hee. Now we got Nick Knack. We're gonna have Jaws coming mm-hmm. up. Yeah. Uh, anyways, yep. uh, he is of course known. I would think by uh, tattoo on Fantasy Island. I mean that's how I know him. Uh, yep. And then apparently mm-hmm. quite the ladies' man. So. Probably, he, uh, yeah, sadly, from what he I understand. Away in like 93. So he's he, he has not been with us for mm-hmm. quite a while. Uh, Clifton James is back as uh, J.W. Pepper. <laughs> Thank God. it need This movie needed an infusion of Clifton James. Oh, my God. It's it's amazing like how like the, the, the attempts at humor, which we were talking about last week, and even Diamonds Are Forever, how it was getting a little like, like they couldn't really find their voice, and they completely lose it in this movie. I mean, the the, the comedy in this movie is insane. It's uh, racist too. It's a it's pretty racist. Oh well, yeah, absolutely. Are you talking about specifically J.W. Pepper? Because yes. yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and it's t- and it's entirely played for laughs. And I'm sitting there just going, even in 1974, yeah, that seems. Uh, I mean, it's it's not more racist than anything else that's that's coming no. out that uh, around these times, but. That's just, I don't know. It was just a flat out, like, shocking to hear. Yeah, there were some things he said that were just mm. like, ugh. But uh, but I guess I'm thinking more like the big the big swings, like oh, the car. Sure. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. I mean, it's like, it's both like, in it's like, it's awful. Like, it's awful, awful. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, you're kind of like, I don't know. I, after you watch this movie a few times, things just, it's kind of like Jason Takes Manhattan. It just wears you down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and you have you start noticing the positives, but anyways, uh, Richard Blue plays another villain kind of named named High Fat. Uh, but anyways, uh, Richard Liu plays Helm. Uh, he's like a big boss in in Hong Kong that Scaramanga is working for initially or is hired by, but he eventually kills him, and kind of that kicks in the second half. Yep. where Scaramanga is like the big villain that's t- trying to take over the world or whatever. Uh, Lou did a lot of TV after this. This was his final film role, hmm. uh, but he did a ton of television after this. Uh, but he does have an interesting credit list. Uh, he's he's like extras and stuff like that in a lot of early stuff. But still, he was in movies like After the Thin Man, uh, Frank Capra's Lost Horizon, uh, Samuel Fuller's The Still Helmet. He had a lot of really interesting films that he was in. Uh, I guess I'll talk about also the last like cast member specific to this film as soon. I'm gonna go soon. Tyke. Oh, okay. Uh, he play he plays Lieutenant Hip. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the Felix Leiter of Hong Kong, I guess is what yeah. I would call him. Yeah, sounds right. I knew him. I knew I recognized him, and when I started looking through his IMDb, I was really sad to say that I recognized him because I've seen Missing in Action Part Two way too many times. Oh well, there you go. Mm-hmm. That's his magnum <laughs> I felt opus. Really bad. Like mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. This is the movie I know you from. Yeah, because <laughs> that's not a good movie. Uh, 
voice of uh he also did the voice of uh I, I don't know this character's name, but it's it's an in Mulan, it's Fa Zhao, mm-hmm. I think is how you pronounce it. Uh and then uh Bernard Lee uh is back. Uh he's not gonna be with us too much longer. Mm-hmm. Uh he, he I think he dies in nineteen eighty one, so I think he's only got a couple more of these left but uh he gets a kind of a sizable role this time like he has a little bit more to do yeah uh especially when the last few films it's felt like he hasn't really been in it much at all mm-hmm. maybe for a scene yeah uh, but he actually gets a few scenes in here and uh lois maxwell maxwell money penny desmond llewellyn is q uh all those people are back desmond llewellyn has maybe too big of a role considering what he is in this franchise it's kind of weird like mm-hmm. if they he wasn't in the last movie, so it's almost like they're like, you know, uh, making up for it in this one. Maybe so. And 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 he's suddenly like, he's got all this intel that normally he normally wouldn't have. Like he's he's the guy who builds gadgets, and I know that they're trying to get away from gadgets for a really long time, but like in yeah. this movie, he's like knows all this stuff, this inside info about the operations of bad guys and stuff in this. So it's kind of weird to hear him spout off all this stuff like he's been in the field this whole time. But Yeah, the gadget thing is still so weird to me. That's one of the things I've taken away from watching these films recently is that I don't maybe that just doesn't really become much of a thing until like maybe the late 70s and through the 80s cuz I mean like I just like I always think of gadgets when I think of Bond but like it could be a broccoli thing Saltzman the, was getting yeah. yeah Saltzman was the guy saying let's don't do this anymore and because this is the ninth film and we even have like a ranking specifically for gadgets cuz I was just thinking in my head we should but mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> just like the last like three movies there's been like none mm-hmm. other than I mean I guess in this the golden gun maybe there's that car, there's the car plane. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's stuff like that, but I don't even think those are really, mm-hmm. really gadgets. Oh my God, that car plane is amazing. Mm-hmm. So uh, this at one point, which we talked about this, I think on the um, uh, Honor Majesty's Secret Service episode, this was going to follow You Only Live Twice. And they were actually going to get Roger Moore to, to, they were trying to get Roger Moore. But a couple things, Roger Moore A was attached to the saint, so he couldn't, he couldn't come do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then also they couldn't do that one. Well, they had picked Cambodia to film in. Uh, this was in the late 60s. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Somlot uprising had just begun or mm-hmm. was going on. And that was a big thing in there. So they couldn't film there. And so instead, I guess, of trying to... And then once they couldn't get more, I guess they just decided they were going to do something else. So they did Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Because I guess they finally had locations and stuff for that. Mm-hmm. So uh, they make this one ends up being the second Roger Moore film. So Lucky Helm, he still gets to be in it. Um, I already mentioned the thing about it being released so close to live and let die. Uh, so the first draft was by Tom Mankiewicz. Um, his was almost solely supposedly like just, it was like a battle of wills. Like it was all about Scaramanga was kind of obsessed with bond. It kind of, it almost kind of reminded me of like an early version of like Mr. Glass. Like he's like looking Mm. for like his equal, like his, his yang Mm -hmm. to his yen or whatever, Mm -hmm. however you want to say that. Um, that's kind of what the basis, but then Mankiewicz, uh, he turned in the draft. Uh, they wanted a lot of changes. He was, he was just kind of tired of writing bond films and he thought it, she said he thought it showed in the script. Mm-hmm. So he just walked away. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like, you might want to just get somebody else to finish this. Uh, so they brought Maybaum back. Richard Maybaum comes in. 
Uh, he nixes a lot of the, like, the Scaramanga is Bond's equal. Like, you don't really get any of that. But anyway, so he nixes a lot of that. Uh, he decides to use the 1973 Energy Crisis as the backdrop. Uh, at least he says he did. And he created the MacGuffin of the movie, which is the Solex Agitator. Yeah. I still do not fucking know what that thing does, really. I don't like, either. I, I get the... I get the general. I I, I don't know. I have well, no idea. Well, and we'll talk about it during the. We talked yeah. about the plotting of this movie. Uh, I didn't understand it whatsoever. So, um, so it'll be it'll be fun to dissect that a little bit. Yeah, when we try get to figure to out what the hell that thing is. Uh, mm-hmm. But it has something to do with 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 energy. But it's a MacGuffin. It, oh, it's so 100%. what are you gonna do? Yeah, it's it's nothing. Yeah. Uh, and also, according to Mankiewicz, uh, the duels, or I mean, what he said he was inspired by the duel with Scaramanga at the end is uh, based on it's the climax of shane uh, which is sadly mm, a movie i mm. still haven't seen i feel like i have mm. though because i know parts of it so well and the comeback shane and mm-hmm, is it city yeah. slickers that talks about that which i don't know there's some i know there's some movie i saw as a child that mentioned shane a bunch i think it might have been mm-hmm. i can't remember could have been that but anyways yeah. uh there were three different golden gun props uh, made uh in a 20th century fox poll from 2008 a lot of weird things happened in 2008, by the way. But in a 20th Century Fox poll for 2008, of the most popular film weapons, the Golden Gun ranked sixth. Are there really not Why? that many good film weapons? Because that seems high. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever. And nothing about the Golden Gun seems to be in like particularly awesome no, because it's just a because it's gun. it's his it's Scaramanga's character that makes the golden yeah, gun a thing exactly. so i don't even yeah i don't get it it's so weird and um other stuff into well I'll, I'll get back to that in a second the 2008 but um one oh this was why one of the golden gun props was discovered to have been stolen in 2008 uh from a prop shop and um the the other other big thing in this movie there's a car plane and by that if you haven't watched it it's literally a car that has like a plane on the top of it Mm -hmm. uh that could be driven like there actually is a person driving it uh but it couldn't fly which is not surprising at all but uh, weird i (laughs) i heard that they i heard that they did build one that could well they built a remote control yes Okay, I guess it's okay. the one that's being driven on there. The guy, the person flown. who built the thing that's this is based on, apparently died trying to draw to fly it or whatever or something like that. Mm-hmm. And and uh, they were it, like they were excited about having this in the movie yes. until that happened, yes. of course. And then they built this other thing that actually took off yeah. or whatever. Yeah, so. it was just it was just a remote controlled one. It was just not. Mm. It wasn't the original one that was built. Uh, yeah, but no, it, they definitely yeah. had one that flew. But yeah, it just wasn't that one. And um, the corkscrew stunt, which is the car, this car, there's a bro, there's a half like a bridge is broken out or whatever. <laughs> so the car jumps yep. up in the air, ramps off the first part of the bridge, does a three sixty mm. turn, and lands. Mm-hmm. It was cool to hear, though. It was done. Like, I yep. I don't know how they would not have done it. Like, I don't know how you would fake that uh, in 1974. But that's the only thing amazing about it. It looks ridiculous. My only issue with that scene is that they turn it into a comedy bit oh, instead yeah. of just letting it happen. Yes. And... Um, and uh, I did. There's, of course, there's a lot in the behind the mm-hmm. scenes about that scene, uh, uh, you know, how they did it and everything. And apparently, they had the stunt coordinator from Live and Let Die was going to be doing this. And he was talking to a rival stunt guy uh, at lunch. And he was telling him about this stunt mm-hmm. that he was going to do for a man with a golden gun. And the guy who ends up getting the job 
like hears about it and calls mm-hmm. broccoli about yeah. it and says i'm gonna do this whatever we I, and they apparently had already been doing this stunt in the astrodome or something that was yeah, like it was like a show some, it was like a car show yeah yeah, yeah. and uh and so the, they they get the they get a guy that they think can do the stunt uh out there and of course there's a lot of things that can go wrong they like one of the things was what happens if the car falls into the water where you're going to have a guy with all these harnesses and crap like down in the water like drowning basically and you and so they had people they had a crane out there they had yes. ambulances everything off the set and um but the guy take the guy does the uh, corkscrew thing on the first try and uh and then and then uh I, it was a guy hamilton came up to him and says all right just in case let's do that one again and the stuntman said no yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, and he apparently that was the first time he had ever tried the stunt yeah. and he got it in the first try he he's like i'm not doing that again that's, a, that's the most amazing thing about this because we've heard in the past like how they've like wrecked cars and destroyed cars and all these problems and they had to bring in different people but this one it just went off the guy's name by the way was lauren bumps willard mm-hmm. <laughs> was what, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. which would have been a better name than J.W. Pepper, I think, for that character. But yeah. Uh, yeah, he committed on the first take. Um, I also thought it was interesting. It was first tested as a computer simulation, and that simulation yeah. was the first of its kind. Like, this was kind of, I mean, obviously, this is the early 70s, so computers, Yeah, it's a whole different it thing. It was a thing that uh, investigated car crashes and how yeah. it, how yeah. car crashes happened. And it, and they showed the, the images on the behind the scenes. <laughs> this little, like, it's very, very old mm-hmm. graphic interface where it's basically just lines and stuff. But you can see the car yes. driving yeah. in the simulation and everything and it and it figures out all the physics and everything yeah, it's really it's cool neat. I, I just for somebody that i just like grew up when there weren't really a lot of computers it was just interesting to hear they were still doing this kind of stuff in the early 70s uh i mean mm-hmm. a few years before i was even born um yeah so another thing in 2008 that happened top gear the the british uh, car show uh they tried to repeat the stunt but couldn't do it which i thought was mm. kind of funny mm. uh the stunt is in the guinness book of world records as the first astro spiral jump on film uh mm-hmm. john barry uh who's who makes mostly really good decisions but he added the slide whistle sound which broccoli yeah. really hated but but let him keep it in i i don't know why somehow stayed in the movie i don't understand it i that's that's why i hate the scene yeah, no, i terrible. love the stunt i hate the scene i well it, I, yes i don't like it either but it it, it could have been like just a cool moment, I guess, is what with, they just had like the score pounding in or something or just nothing even just have them do the jump. Just be like, oh, that just was cool. But then when you have that slide jump. whistle, it's like Benny Hill. Yeah. And I mean, and the movie definitely had some comedic stuff in it. Uh, some and a lot of it, some of it racist, but uh, it nothing like that took it to a whole other like like that was like a parody kind of scene. And it's crazy that it's just that one thing. It's just that slide whistle. You take that out mm-hmm. of it, I think that scene's fine. Maybe you don't show J.W. Pepper going, ah, or whatever, but... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there's a way to do that without it being... Because it's really impressive. I, I mean, they actually mm-hmm. fucking did it, you know? It's not yep. like it's not like the jump in speed, you know, or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you're watching a thing do a thing. Uh, so anyways, mm-hmm. uh, not a whole lot else to talk about. I will say, uh, this film did make money, but it was the fourth lowest grossing film in the franchise. Uh, I think I think it, it is now the fourth lowest grossing film in the franchise. At the time, I think it was the it must have been the first. But uh, it finished with twenty one million in the U S., which got it to the twenty first 
uh, grossing film, that highest grossing film that year. It was just under Death Wish in Chinatown. And it was right ahead mm-hmm. of this movie called The Groove Tube, which I have heard of, but I've never never seen. Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein, both in the top 10 that year. Uh, mm-hmm. Mel Brooks had it. I imagine The Godfather 2 was oh, number one. Uh, no, uh, Blazing Saddles is number one. Godfather Part 2 was number mm-hmm. six. Uh, oh, interesting. Earthquake was number five. Young Frankenstein was number four. Uh, Trial of Billy Jack was number three. Of course, Billy Jack huh. was uh, like number two or whatever last the last year. Towering Inferno was number two in Blazing yeah, Saddles. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. That's a that's a crazy top ten though. Mm-hmm. Murder on the Orient Express was ten. Yeah, Texas Chainsaw mm-hmm. Massacre was fifteen. That's a seventy four is a mm-hmm. kind of a strong year. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. Like I've heard people say, like this almost killed the franchise. I don't. I couldn't find anything that said that. But I do know that they obviously, with all the legal stuff and whatnot, and they had to just kind of go back to the. Uh, you know, back to the, not basics, but uh, I, I, I don't know. We'll talk about Spy Who Loved Me next week, but it's it's maybe one of the most insane uh, differences or leaps between films I've ever seen in a franchise. Mm-hmm. So, film got mixed reviews. Uh, more excellent performances were often cited as the big issue, along with the comedic approach. Uh, Christopher Lee, pretty much across the board, mm-hmm. was everybody uh, really liked him and thought he was a really cool villain. Uh but Moore and Eklund, uh, for whatever, you know, were the ones that most people didn't seem to care for. Oh, and also Hervé. Hervé's character got got some mm. interesting stuff said about it. But uh, He's pretty annoying. He is, but I also, I don't know, I, I kind of love him. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. But he, he, like, I, like I said, I think this movie just wears you down after you've seen it a few times. It wore me down enough that I don't <laughs> like it, so. <laughs> well... Did you? Well, let's just let's let's go ahead and get into that. Okay. Because I think that's where I think that's where the fun talk's going to be mm-hmm. uh, this year. Uh, so this is a segment we like to call a review to a kill. I've got you in my sights. Get the fuck out of my sight before I demolish you. What we've got here is failure to communicate. There's no need to shout. I'm not shouting. Why don't you stop your whining and get on with it? I've heard this shit before. We are going to give you our thoughts on the film we are discussing this week. And this week, we are discussing The Man with the Golden Gun. Copyright Lulu. I will say um, one thing I wanted to do just because... I find the plot of this movie insane. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I think I'm going to do is try to explain the plot. Mm-hmm. So we have a pre-title sequence with a gangster named Rodney. Mark Lawrence actually comes back. He played a mobster in Diamonds Are Forever, and they actually bring him back to play this gangster at the beginning. Uh, he's playing this like game, I guess, with Scaramanga, uh, where Knickknack is like kind of emceeing it. <laughs> Yeah, like, he looks like he's like, a uh, he's a uh, control dungeon master type of yeah, thing. Yeah, because it's kind of like a it's like a fun house. And he almost goes to of, one of, of yeah, it's a fun sort. house, but like he's up in this control room with all it, yeah. th- this very 1970s shiny metal con- you know uh, <laughs> yeah. control room. Basically, you can imagine it if you can just think of any movie in the 70s. That's what the control panel looks like. Um, yeah, exactly. And uh, Scar Manga Manga ends up uh, uh, killing him. You also find out that Scaramanga and Knickknack apparently have like little bets going on mm-hmm. which I don't know how how Knickknack gets paid if like Scaramanga gets defeated I I couldn't really figure that one uh, out but whatever and, and Scaramanga probably knows that he can never they can never win yeah, based true. on that but like uh, well maybe there is maybe there is some something that kicks in when he dies or whatever you know what this maybe. reminded me of the opening of this reminded me of openings of Columbo is what it reminded <laughs> yeah. me yeah 
oh, this movie looks like an episode of a TV series. Yeah. Like, if you told me this was an episode of, like, Six Million Dollar Man, I'd be like, yeah, I believe mm-hmm. you. Yeah, yeah. But I will say at the end of that scene, though, the, this is the pre-title. The pre-title sequence actually is, is okay. It's fine. Yeah. But uh, Rodney, the gangster, he falls down. And when he falls down after he's been shot, there is, like, this amazing, like, wax statue of Roger Moore's Bond. It's like they, it's like Scaramanga, like, had Madame Tussauds on his payroll. Mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. uh Bond is on a mission where he's supposed to track down this. This is another situation where Bond somehow lucks his way into, like, even though he gets taken off this mission, he lucks his way back into a mission that has all everything to do mm-hmm. with this. But anyways, uh, he's tracking down this energy scientist named Gibson. Uh, M takes him off the case because they believe that Scaramanga has been hired to kill Bond because they've been sent this bullet. And, and, okay. I want to talk about this bullet, okay? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. I, I think this is how we okay. should do it. Just so go through go, this they, crazy they, plot. Okay, so they get sent a bullet that has 007's uh, numbers in, like, written on it or whatever. And so they think, oh, Scaramanga is, is doing a challenge to Bond and everything. Yeah. And and so most of the movie you're sitting there going, how, why would he go through all of this trouble of mm-hmm. like putting 007 on a bullet so that he has to go through all of this investigation? Like they have to put it yeah. under a microscope and you have Q and some other guy who are like, this gold can only be found in this particular part of the world and yeah. so on and so forth. So then they have to find the person who made the bullet and they have to to do all this other stuff. so they so we so this whole thing is 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 building up to the fact that scaramanga wants bond because we saw him shoot this shoot bonds wax yeah. figures fingers off at the beginning of yep. this and then we find out scaramanga didn't send that bullet it was maude yep. adams the whole time yep. and then you're yep. sitting there going if maude adams sent this bullet why didn't she just tell him where everything was then? Exactly, because she what she thinks that. Uh, well, but I mean, she she is scared for her life, and and that does actually end up by that actually ends up getting her killed. So, but why would but you yeah. make them go through all of that trouble though? If you if you exactly like it, it, even if you even if you do that, don't you don't you put yourself in danger? So I don't. I know what you're saying because even if you if you can find a way to send a bullet, why can't you find a way to send a letter with yeah. it that says, "By the way, yeah, go to <laughs> don't this, be freaked out. Go to this island in Phuket, <laughs> yeah. Thailand, and 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 that's where Scaramanga is. Oh my God, I've got more later, but here we go. Oh yeah, no, well, just I mean that's part of it too, but just the basics. Like so, Bond Bond basically gets he didn't get fired, but he's put he's 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 a uh, he's uh, what do you call it? He's put to the sides, whatever. Mm-hmm. He's he's sitting on the bench. Yeah. He's not allowed to do anything. But of course, he goes and does stuff on his own because he's Bond. Mm-hmm. Uh, he ends up getting like a tip about this belly dancer that has one of the bullets <laughs> in her belly <laughs> button so dumb. in Beirut. Yes. So he goes there. He gets the bullet. Uh, and and he it, then traces the. Oh, sorry. If go there's ahead. anything about this that I like, I don't like anything about the belly dancer having a bullet in her belly button. But if there's anything I like about this, there's an actual reason for Bond to sleep with yes. a woman this time. Yes. Other than like most, like you remember in the Sean Connery days, there's the point yes. where where he's like, "What I did, I did for king and country." Blah blah blah. Yeah. You know, like okay, yeah. whatever. You really just wanted to get laid, but. And you're you're whatever and and like never never does the sex have any like real meaning whatsoever um in what they do but in this one at least it looks like okay he can steal something by doing this that makes sense yeah 
Uh, so exactly. at least no, I like I, that, I but I don't like anything else beyond that. No, I, I agree with you. But uh, he then traces the bullet back to a gunmaker in Macau. Uh, then he finds out the shipment, which Andre Anders is handling, not Adam. Mm-hmm. Uh, she ends up giving Bond info, which once again, she's talking to him. So why can't she just tell him everything at this point? Because she ends up giving him info about Scaramanga being at this club. Yeah. It's called the Bottoms Up Club. By the way, there's like there's like a couple of strip clubs in this movie, which is really interesting <laughs> yeah. because we had an entire Bond movie in Vegas and we didn't see a single right. strip club. But, but there's a, this is another part of the, the plot that I didn't understand because, yeah. yes, uh, she it takes a while for her to finally say, okay, this is... I, I deliver these bullets from this weapons maker to him and then he brings them yeah. out to his island or whatever. So I'm sitting there going, Bond now is just going to have to keep surveillance on Maude Adams this whole time, right? Instead, he just... There's a scene like they the, a scene where uh, Christopher Lee is like about to have sex with her, and then like yeah. in the next in the next shot almost he's uh, Christopher Lee is like uh, aiming to kill this scientist guy mm-hmm. uh, who we think is Bond this whole time. We think he's trying yeah. to kill Bond. Bond just so happens to be in the street uh, exactly. when this happens. Yeah, this is where the movie starts losing me. Um, but I'm sitting there going, well. If your whole thing now, your whole mission now is to find this guy, don't you just stay with Maude Adams or at least stay yeah. or, or like keep keep close? And then once he gets, once she gives him the bullets, you just follow wherever he goes. I, I, I didn't yeah. understand that whole thing. I don't either. Yeah. And I, and I hate, I hate, like this is, I, I will say the first like 45, no, it's just going to be similar to what we both said about live and let die. But the difference is live and let die for the first like 45 minutes is like, this could be the best bond movie ever. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of shits itself. But, uh, this one is n- never going to be anywhere close to being the best body movie ever. But there is like, I'm interested in what's going on. Like, I'm curious to see why does he want to kill bond? Who hired him mm-hmm. to when I'm still thinking that bond is the target. But then when he gets to this club, which I think this is right around the hour mark, mm-hmm. he starts walking. Like you said, Christopher Lee's up on the side of the street. He's about to shoot somebody. You think it's Bond. He ends up shooting this other guy that's with Hip, the 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 uh, Asian uh, police officer or whatever. Mm-hmm. Felix, the Asian Felix Leiter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not only that, not only is he not trying to kill Bond, but Bond realizes immediately that it's that fucking scientist yeah. that he was trying to. And that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh I mean, just the fact that all this stuff intertwine, you know, connects. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of like in Diamonds Are Forever, how Blofeld ends up being yeah. connected to this random thing that Bond gets assigned. It's right. kind of similar stuff here. And I honestly don't know really what's going on after this point. Mm-hmm. Because then Bond gets like kind of arrested, but you find out that Hip's actually working with uh, MI6 and all these people. So they go to, um, it's, um, it's a queen. It's the, it's the wreck of the queen Elizabeth, which apparently broccoli saw when they were scouting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the, it, now I will say it is pretty interestingly shot yeah. when they go into this thing, because yeah. you see all these like Dutch look at, it's at least looks like Dutch angles, even though I think it's just yeah. kind of, it's just the way the camera is positioned. I think so. Yeah. Uh, I know what you're saying. You know, um, or way the, the set is positioned, but, uh, I, th- I think that's kind of cool how they're in that, but that's really where the, where it all ends is uh, the cool. Yeah. But ends. I got, I, and I might've just missed something, but I got confused as to like, 
M already knew that Bond wasn't the target. Like I felt yeah. like that was yeah yeah okay exactly yeah. But I, but that's so confusing, and I just I hate that. Like I just hate that. It, the reason I hate that I think is because eventually Bond does become the target anyway. Mm-hmm. So because he's trying to go after Scaramanga, so Scaramanga obviously is gonna be like I gotta kill. This Bond. sounds this sounds exactly like what would happen if you had a writer starting on a script, yes, and then another yes. person comes in and says yeah. I don't like some of this stuff. I'm gonna add this stuff. And then they forget that there's little seeds of another story yeah. going on in the story that they are yeah. editing. Because like the the bullet being sent to him, like that sounds more like the Mankiewicz idea that Scarmanga is obsessed with Bond and like wants to wants to prove he can beat him or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like a Craven the Last Hunter kind of thing. Craven the Last Hunter. Craven the Hunter mm-hmm. uh, kind of thing. And uh, but it doesn't make sense in this story. Yeah. Like you're saying. And then I guess they changed it to the fact that Mott Adams sent it. That's supposed to be a twist. But then once again, why didn't she send a letter with it? Why didn't she try to contact Bond before this? When she did get alone with Bond, so clearly she wasn't scared about being found out she was alone with Bond. Mm Mm-hmm. So why didn't she tell him then? Yeah. Oh, and there's that weird fucking... Okay. Oh, my God. I, I'm going to... Uh, good night. I'm sorry. The actress's name escapes me. Oh, Britt Eklund? Britt Eklund. Yeah. Britt Eckhart. Uh, yeah. Britt Eklund. So when she gets introduced, this is really weird, too, because I guess before that, though, Bond does eventually get captured by... They find... There's this mob boss named High Fat. Mm-hmm. And Elm... And Q, like, yeah, like you said, Q's, like, doing research and stuff on these people, and it doesn't make any sense. Like, what does this have to do with the gadgets? Uh, although he does every now and then get to chime in. Oh, yeah, no, we're working on something like that. So that is a thing. You know, it's it's dumb. Yeah. But anyways, there's High Fat. So Bond decides to go see High Fat and somehow thinks he can get away with pretending to be Scaramanga. This is the, uh, <laughs> this is the old yeah, Mission Impossible thing. Oh my God. Scaramanga has a third nipple, which I don't think we've mentioned other than I made that joke about you having one at the beginning of the podcast. Mm-hmm. So Scaramanga has a third nipple. Why people know this though is crazy to me, mm-hmm. but like that, cause that's super defining. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, like not a lot of people have third nipples. I don't think, I mean, maybe somebody's well, going Christopher like Lee says it's not, it's, it's more common than you think later on. Probably. So is. probably is. Uh, that's true. It, that's true. He does say that. Chandler Bing had one on But friends, that's so one of the thing happened. that's funny is that right off the beginning they tell you about the superfluous third nipple and then later on somebody says uh oh it's it's Bond asking Maud Adams he's like how give me some distinguishing characteristics so I yeah. know who I'm looking for she's like well he's got a superfluous third nipple and he's like that's not going to tell me anything he's going to be clothed <laughs> so tell me where you know so like yeah, none exactly. of this make it makes any difference well, no and that scene is crazy because luckily for Bond, there is like a naked uh, Asian girl swimming yeah. that somehow wants him to get in with her. Right. I, no, I don't know what that's about. Exactly. So that gives him a reason to take his shirt off. And then so when High Fat comes over, High Fat can yeah, say, oh, what was your plan before the yeah. naked lady? Yeah. 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 Well, he's just going to be like, as soon as the guy was like, hey, get off the property. He's hold just on, gonna, hold on let me show you. Quick. Let me show you. You've got a third nipple. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's crazy. Um but they've that that ruse does not go on very long. And see, that's the thing. Like, I mean, Bond is so well known. There is a wax statue of which he probably doesn't know this, but still, there mm-hmm. is a wax statue of him. How does this dude go anywhere? Yeah, like without, exactly. I mean, it's crazy. But he so he gets captured uh, by high fat because they're like, yeah, you're full of shit. And so they they hold him at this martial arts academy. Oh my god. Where, where he has to fight these students yeah yeah just out of nowhere they're like here fight these guys and then he like (laughs) 
uh, <laughs> he cheats against one of them where yeah. they're they're about to give the courtesy bow, the courtesy bow, and he yeah. kicks him while they're doing the courtesy bow, and then they're like, "All right, let's get some real fighters in here." <laughs> and that guy is obviously like, "There's no I, way that Roger yeah. Moore." Would... I, like, I don't know who that guy was. I like that second guy though because I like the way he acts that scene because like Bond starts to bow and he kind of bows, but he's like looking at yeah. him the whole time. Yeah. Like, I'm not getting kicked in the chin. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, but then, oh, and then there's a scene earlier where I guess, uh, uh, hip <laughs> takes him here, but has like his two nieces are in the car with him. Cause he's got to take them to school or something. And then they all end up showing up to save bond. And then those two girls, like, I guess they're supposed to be high school kids and hip just kick the shit out of these like martial arts. Well, and there's a lot of weird stuff here. First off, they don't, t- they, they don't think they take him to the, the academy, right? They, he, they, no. They take him somewhere else, and then he ends up he ends up getting caught when he goes to I don't know somewhere later. But like, there's a point when they show up at the academy. He goes, "How did you know to find me here?" And he's like, "Well, High Fat owns one of these places." And I'm like, "Oh, so you knew to come here <laughs> of all places and at the exact right time to save High him?" Fat, like owns everything. Yeah, and uh, and. Uh, yeah, the uh, one of the one of the girls is played by the woman who plays the landlady in Kung Fu Hustle. So, oh, that was that was it was one of the nieces. It's one of the nieces. Yeah. Ah, okay. Well, that's cool. That mm-hmm. makes sense. I was thinking about that when I was watching it. Mm-hmm. I started watching it after you mentioned that. Yep. Uh, very cool. Uh, a Recotopia episode and a Bond episode that'll be very far apart. Very far okay. apart. Yep. So after that, when he gets back to where he's you know trying to figure out what's going on, he meets up with Goodnight, uh, the the Brit Eklund character, and this scene is so weird because he just says, good night, blah, 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 blah. And I feel like there is a scene missing. Mm-hmm. It almost feels like there's a fucking movie missing. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. you feel like these two have had a history. Yeah. Like they something has happened. But we don't know who she is. And it's just the way she's she's not really introduced in that scene. She shows up, he bitches at her, and then we're just off to the next thing. And I'm like, who the fuck is this? Mm-hmm. Like you have not established this character in any way whatsoever. And it's so weird. There has to be like some scene missing or something that, uh, or, or something like a conversation. Mm-hmm. Something is missing. It, if not, that's just some really lousy, lousy writing. Uh, then all after this on another, uh, Scaramanga meets up with high fat. So we do find out they know each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then Scaramanga kills him. And takes the the energy device, which we talked about earlier, the Solex agitator. Yeah. That was stolen off of uh, Gibson had that on him, which I can't believe Gibson was just like carrying that like in his pocket. Mm-hmm. Like that's that that's stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh, that thing should have been under lock and key somewhere. Yep. Around this time is when we find out Andre, Andrea Anders is the one who sent the bullet to London. And this is a really fucked up thing where I don't know if him and Goodnight are about to have sex, but she's been fucking with him all night. Like, 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 you know pretending like she's kind of into him and then be like, yeah, whatever, I'm gone. Mm-hmm. But then she shows up at his room or whatever, like in this nighty. I and I don't I assume they're about to like at least have a romantic evening of some sort. But then when Andre Andrews shows up, he shoves her in the closet and then goes and has sex with with Maude Adams mm-hmm. while she's in the closet. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards she comes out and I mean she's a little mad, but it's more just like, you know, you dog. Well, and she's <laughs> been like, what s- she's been sleeping in the closet standing this whole time. Yeah. Yeah. So weird, man. <laughs> it's everything like, about that. Yeah, like weird. there's a point where they they're about to have sex. They put the she puts the covers over Britt Eklund and then Maud Adams shows up. 
And then they oh that's right that's right they are and the then bed. and then they're about to have sex and then she and Maude Adams goes away or whatever and then that's when he yeah. takes her to the closet and yeah he she doesn't seem <laughs> too too offended by it like no it's like God I, I know I you be... go ahead and bang that girl don't worry oh about my it God mm-hmm. there's a scene there's and it made me think of this really dumb movie called He's Just Not That Into You mm-hmm. have you ever seen that yeah I've seen it. And so Bradley Cooper, it, it, t- typical, like, only in a movie, Bradley Cooper is married to Jennifer Connelly mm-hmm. and is cheating on Jennifer Connelly with Scarlett Johansson. Mm-hmm. And he is about to, like, I guess have sex with Scarlett Johansson in his office. Jennifer Connelly shows up. Johansson goes in the closet. And then uh, Connelly, and they end up having sex. Mm-hmm. And then Scarlett Johansson comes out, and he starts to say, I'm sorry. And she says, don't ever fucking talk to me again. Mm-hmm. That is how you should act. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you've been forced into that situation <laughs> exactly <laughs> but anyways uh that, that's a bad movie though do not go see that movie if you haven't seen it well i mean it's not i mean i don't know it's fine i guess there's probably some decent moments in it it's just one of those movies with like that big sprawling cast mm-hmm. in a romantic comedy stop and making I tend excuses to find... for he's just not that into you jonathan <laughs> stop making yeah, excuses for that movie. movie what are you gonna do uh, that's actually, I think that's the only thing yeah. I remember about that movie. Oh, and I do remember too. It's all the Jennifer Connelly and Bradley Cooper stuff. But I remember Bradley Cooper is supposed to have stopped smoking, but he's sneaking them. And I remember when Jennifer Connelly basically tells him to fuck off, she like leaves a note on top of a carton of cigarettes. <laughs> which I, which I thought, anyways, yeah. anyways, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So um, Andrew's uh, duplicity is found out eventually. Uh, she's killed. That's kind of a cool scene. Bond uh, meets her at this like I can't remember what's going on. Is it a like a circus? It's a it's a, it's a kickboxing right. tournament. Circus. I don't. I, I'm getting mm-hmm. diamonds are forever mixed up in my man with the golden gun. But uh, mm-hmm. he goes to her. He's talking to her, and then it's just it's really well shot. Like I, if that's her, like, and it's not like a, I, I think it has to be her. She's doing a really good job there of not moving. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then mm-hmm. it slowly pans down, and like her eyes are wide open. It slowly pans down, and you see that bullet. I don't know if she would be sitting up like that the whole time, but I don't know. I don't know how bodies mm-hmm. work after bullets uh, enter them. Sorry. No, I don't either. Yeah, they. I mean, I I feel like she should be slumping down afterwards, but yeah. you know, yeah, but who it's knows? A, it, it's uh, it's I just know. a movie, it's Jonathan. A, it's it's a, just a it's movie. A, it's a really, it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty creepy image too. So I like it. We got to make it so that Bond doesn't know she's dead right away, and then he has to inspect her and find the bullet. You know, that's and then the way he's it pretending works. she's alive again, and that he mm-hmm. has a reason to look through her purse. And then uh, Scaramanga shows mm-hmm. up. Yep. Uh, so, but then Bond ends up. He actually has the Solex at one point. He gives it to Goodnight, right? Yeah, they apparently uh, something happened when like her purse spilled out or something, and they were it's on the it's on the ground with all the peanuts and whatever that their people have been throwing around, <laughs> and like he picks it up, he pretends that he needs to reach down for something, and he gets it, uh, which is weird because it, it's it says Scaramanga <laughs> looked everywhere yeah. to find it, and it's just sitting there on the fucking floor, so but, I don't uh, know. Oh, that's right, because he says you won't find it because I didn't or whatever. I remember, but uh, but I yeah. love that. I love this shot. This is probably my favorite shot in the movie where uh, Britt Eklund is uh, by the trunk. Uh, to she's putting a, like a lo- like a like a locator, or whatever. Yeah. And I mean, Christopher Lee just <laughs> yeah, walks out yeah. of nowhere, just pushes her in like in one motion, pushes her in and shuts the trunk. And I don't know how to explain it, but mm-hmm. it, you know, I mean, you know what I'm talking about because you watched it. But it's just this really yeah. nice. Like just one, two, three punch kind of thing. Uh, it's mm-hmm. I don't know. It's really funny. So she ends up in the trunk of this car. This is a car too that also gets the plane wings and ends up flying, and uh, yeah, yeah, all that fun stuff. 
And then uh, Bond, so Bond, oh, oh, I forgot. Uh, this is where J.W. Pepper shows up, and uh, he's visiting, he's tourist yeah. with his wife, uh, who mm-hmm. clearly can't fucking stand that dude. You can tell just the way she talks. Yep. J.W.? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he, he hangs around. He's and, pretty racist for yeah. a few minutes about about people that live there, and uh, and then he sees Bond... <laughs> And ends up in a car chase with Bond. Yep. He's like, he, he ends up calling, like, he ends up radioing over to one of the people and he's like, tell my wife I'm on a mission. <laughs> like and blah, blah, blah. Is. And like, all right. And there's yeah, that one part yeah, where they get to the yeah. cops. He's like, let me handle this. This is my area of expertise or whatever he says. Oh. Yeah. They have, of course, I think also just because Pepper shows back up, they also have to have yet another speedboat yeah. chase yeah. in this in this movie. So so yet another speedboat chase. If you didn't if you yeah, if you didn't have enough speedboats in the last movie, you yes. can you can get yeah. more. Because that's in this what was one, really so. lacking mm-hmm. in the last film. What's <laughs> not enough speedboats. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. Uh, there was only three hours of speedboats chase in the last movie, so here's I'm really curious if this ends up being a Roger Moore thing, like every single movie, yeah. <laughs> there's a speedboat chase. Yeah. Like I kind of, I kind of hope so at this mm-hmm. point. Uh, speedboat chases were a big thing for a while though. Yeah. Uh, like yeah, like Miami vice and all kinds of stuff. But anyways, uh, yeah. So, so all that happens. JW is in the car with him when he makes the jump. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's awful. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean the jump is fine, but the jump is great. The slide whistle's terrible. Yeah. Slide whistle's terrible. J.W. Pepper is always, always awful. Um, <laughs> Bond tracks Goodnight, though, through all this with J.W. Pepper. He ends up at Scaramanga's Island, so not not surprising at all. He ends up playing, has to play this game or this duel uh, in the funhouse mm-hmm. with uh, with Knickknack, you know, which Knickknack's really fucking with Bond in this one, though. He's not really fucking with Scaramanga yeah, as much. It's like the whole rules of that, the rules of that whole thing changed. Yeah. Well, and Bond gets the drop on uh, Scaramanga. I still have no idea how. And you think that the whole, because the, the challenge is he's going to have six bullets in his Walther PPK, and, mm-hmm. and Scaramanga's going to have just the one bullet. Yeah. So he throughout the whole thing he bond is shooting bullets that you know that he may run out and that never becomes a factor uh what's like oh you've you've shot three bullets bond and and he ends up killing him on the fourth so oh my god uh then we get the typical like this whole post-mission post-coital scene where the henchman shows up like so knickknack is like somehow on this boat Mm -hmm. and uh uh, well, he, uh, we've he drops in we've, literally. We passed over the you know the the whole uh, solar thing and what uh, Scaramanga plans yeah, to I, do. Yeah, with we it. could definitely go back to that. Well, I, mean, I don't think we talked about it enough because we talked about it being a MacGuffin, but the the thing is that he wants it for is this huge like he's got this solar um, like panel that's cooled mm-hmm. cooled with helium or something like that, and uh, and. And all he needed was this this solar whatever it's called. He, Solex. Yeah, he needed this thing, this one little box to complete it. I'm like, you had this entire thing built, and just you, but you needed this one thing that some other asshole has to complete it. Which 
I, I guess you knew about this device before you started building the big, huge thing on this island. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, some There's something missing as far as when he started building this and when he found out about this this device. Oh, yeah. No, doesn't, doesn't go over that at all. Like, you have no idea. But, you have no idea why he knows about this. You have, I mean, and like why he wants to kill high fat and take over all that stuff. I mean, he's been, he's been acting. I mean, he's been the way he has been for however many years. Mm-hmm. And it was hard to understand why, you know, nobody knew his face and he was be able to, he made a lot of money killing people. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, it doesn't make any sense to me why all of a sudden he wants to come out in the open. Right. And when he's been this secretive. Yeah. So they, so the, that whole, that whole system that he shows bond is like, he's actually thinking about making money with this and have, and selling yeah. the technology to other people yeah, to the highest better and having their own stuff that's built. And then, uh, and then, it's like, okay, well, that doesn't seem so evil. But, oh, wait a minute. He's got a laser beam thing that com- that he also has of created he that he shows yeah. that he blows up the plane with, that the, you know, blows up Bond's plane with. Just so happens to be in the perfect spot for him to, to blow up the plane. Um, but, uh, like, all that other stuff wasn't enough. We have to also make sure that he's got, a, 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 a like, a death ray that's ready to go on this. And Bond even says, like, uh, before the death ray thing comes into the play, Bond even says at one point, like, the oil shakes will will will, will buy you out to not have this solar power. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I've already thought of that or whatever. And it's like, just a lot of, like, none of that, none of that whole motive makes any sense to me at all. Cause, no, it doesn't. Yeah. And, it, and it's just like, he's not taking over anything. He's mm-hmm. just trying to sell it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not even like he's got these visions of grandeur and he's going to be like, he's going to be like Lex Luthor. But it's just, that's all there is to it. He's just, he's just trying to sell this this thing that he's making and then also he's got a laser because every fucking villain has a laser i wish they would like actually refer back to stuff you know like Scaramanga could have been like yeah i know like blofeld was trying to hit you up with that space laser this mm-hmm. is way cooler than that or something yeah yeah <laughs> anyways uh yeah so it's 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 uh like like i was trying to like i was saying earlier i for the first like hour of this i'm kind of like i don't i don't particularly like it but I'm curious as to what's going to happen. Like, I'm always like, there's intriguing. I mean, I'd already knew because I'd watched it before, but I'm just saying in general, like it's setting up some like potentially intriguing things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I like the idea of Scaramanga is actually after Bond the whole time better, but yes. that's not what happened. So I just, but like I said, he ends up being after Bond anyways, because Bond is coming for him, so I just feel like you could have just left it as whatever Mankiewicz wanted to do. Maybe tighten it up a little bit or whatever. But yeah, now I and I didn't interrupted to talk about the solar thing. Uh, you were talking about Hervey Villachay showing up at the very end of this, yes, and about because once again Bond is about to have sex with Goodnight, and mm-hmm. and they keep getting interrupted, and even after the yeah. Hervey Villachay's thing, which is really dumb i mean it's just him throwing wine bottles at bond and all sorts of stuff and uh, bond ends up putting him in a suitcase and uh, uh he ends up like putting him on the sails of the boat that they're on and then they're about to have sex again and then this thing this thing comes up from from um from m like the a phone thing he's trying to call bond on this phone yeah. or whatever and all this stuff um so that's how it ends i thought it was kind of interesting that they brought uh hurry villachay is back on this last thing because 
remember in live and let die at the very end of that movie jeffrey holder shows up yeah. on the train yeah. and i think a lot of people thought that he was going to end up doing something or come back later or you know yeah. or, and it just ends up being this weird scene oh there's jeffrey holder on a train going ha 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 yeah. or whatever and i so, don't i don't remember if they keep doing this but they've done this now for three movies in a row because mm-hmm. diamonds are forever ends with mr kent and or mr kid and mr yeah, Lent yeah. show up so that's what i'm saying like this is kind of an interesting thing that kind of becomes like a trope even though it really wasn't before mm-hmm. diamonds are forever and i don't know although, if they keep doing it i'm not sure although live and let die i mean even though it's jeffrey holder they show yeah. at the very end it's Teehee that does the the the, the, the actual business on the train oh like, i'm try- sorry yeah you're correct jeffrey holder does jeffrey holder's not play Teehee. you're right i was getting confused yeah, no yes, the, you're the correct Teehee does play yes. the that guy but like at the very very yes, end they, he's so on the back of the train yeah so that I, <laughs> I, I there's this it's funny that they they bring jeffrey holder back for that one thing and it's so yeah. surreal that you think maybe that's not even real yeah. you know they just kind of put that it's like what you know it's one of those like where joe pesci is firing at the screen at the end of goodfellas <laughs> type things yeah but like uh but but yeah it is interesting that they keep bringing the secondary villain back yeah. to do one last thing on all of these so i, I see what you're saying though yeah yeah no i just mm-hmm. got my actors mixed up but yeah no that scene at the end of the trade yeah i think that's definitely just for like a like a gotcha moment like right at the mm-hmm. end and mm-hmm. i don't know live and let die is so much better than that as bad as live and let die gets though it's so much better in this movie yeah uh like I said, after that first hour, after once we find out Bond is not the target, I just I I, I I this I never know I never remember what's going on because I get so confused after that point. Like just who knew what beforehand and why Bond wasn't brought in on some of this already. Like it just a lot of it didn't make any sense. And mm-hmm. um you know, and Elm is like bitching at hip and um Bond for getting uh, the scientist killed and losing the thing, but it's like mm-hmm. maybe if you would let Bond know what the fuck was going on, he would, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. I, it just it doesn't make any sense. Because if mm-hmm. they know that he's not really being targeted, I don't know why they don't let him know that immediately. Maybe they couldn't mm-hmm. find him, but yeah. I don't know. Do you have anything good to say about it? Uh, anything bad that you haven't talked about yet? <laughs> there's there's not much other than you know Christopher Lee is always is always. Uh, always good uh that stunt aside from the slide whistle we've already talked about that is good yeah i don't think there's much else really that's good action about it, scenes aren't good really no. there's and there's, there's not a lot there's just nothing that interesting it's mostly because most of them revolve around like people with guns you know trying to hide from each other and stuff like mm-hmm. that there's not really like fights and and stuff which is fine but i'm mm-hmm. you know but there's nothing yeah. interesting in what little action there is uh i think this film is like you were talking about last week with live and let die, like how much hornier like bonds, like one liners were. Mm-hmm. I think this movie doubles up just on the horniness by a lot. Like I said, we go to strip clubs and yep. Britt Eklund gets, is about to, you know, have sex. She gets thrown in a closet. And he, I mean, it's just all this crazy stuff that like, I, I just can't see happening in a Connery film. <laughs> like yeah. And there's that, there's that double entendre at the end too, saying, uh, yeah. saying, uh, when is, when is a uh, good night going to come? And he <laughs> says, Oh, she'll be coming shortly. And he hangs the phone or something like that. <laughs> oh mm. my God. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and it, like I said, I mentioned this earlier, but it, it looks, it just looks like a TV show. It looks like a TV movie. Like it mm-hmm. doesn't look like, like it's so weird. It's like, I don't know why it's like they, I mean, they spent $7 million on it early seventies. Mm-hmm. That's a decent chunk of change. So it is. it's not like it wasn't a big budgeted film, but 
it doesn't look like really any better than like an episode of like Six Million Dollar Man or Columbo mm-hmm. or whatever you want to throw in there. Yeah, now, I I have heard people say in the '60s and early '70s there was a television and film didn't look as different as it used to, but still like there's just nothing like cinematic about this. Like mm-hmm. leading up to this one, you know, everything's like big and grandiose, and I mean I don't mind having a smaller. Uh, a smaller like Bond film, but but this but this is also trying to be a big Bond film, so it doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, because mm-hmm. Scaramanga is just as as just as crazy as like and big as all this yeah, is, like Blofeld. I, I, then let's just face it the the whole idea that they turned right around after Live and Let Die to try to make this movie for the next year. Yeah, they had one guy writing a script and then another guy coming yeah. in to do the script, and then they had and then they did this all in a year. That's that it really shows. It really shows no, it in does. this movie. Yeah. And I mean, I think and this is the first of in my opinion, this is the first of two Bond films with Roger Moore that they cast a really cool actor as the villain and then just don't really give him anything to do. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm sure most people if anybody's seen the Roger Moore films, I'm sure they know what I'm talking about, but I guess I will save that till we talk about that film. But uh that's the only thing I remember about this movie is that Christopher Lee is the villain. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I, I, cause I have not watched this one that often cause I've never really cared for it. Um, it's not like unwatchable. Like it's not, it, it, I would never say it's boring. I just think it's overly convoluted, especially after it offers up such a simplistic storyline. And then, then just wants to become like a normal bond. Bad guy wants to take energy out of the world or whatever mm-hmm. it is, you know, it, that doesn't work. That shift is so bizarre. Mm-hmm. Uh, Britt Eklund is not very good in this and I don't think it's her fault I, I've seen her in other things and she's good so mm-hmm. I think this is the writing but her character is just I mean one of the more like just useless like characters uh, female characters in the in the series like just it's kind of irritating how they yeah, use her in this movie it's reminiscent of uh, what would the what was the movie I'm trying to remember which one now these are starting to yeah. we're starting to get into that like I believe it was um, it was Diamonds Are Forever, uh, or is no? Was it Diamonds? Yeah, it was Diamonds Are Forever, where they had uh, a really cool uh, female character who ends up like just being in a bikini at the end of the movie. Oh yeah, Jewel St. John. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, and and this one's the same one. This Good Night's supposed to be a well-respected spy who who does all this and she ends up like getting kicked into a trunk and like you know yeah. like useless pretty much and then when the next time we see her she's in a bikini and yeah i like brit Eklund. i like seeing brit Eklund in a yeah. bikini don't don't yeah, get me wrong but that it's it's doesn't make sense to her character but no. to me because it, it it makes sense that a villain would do this but make her more badass stop doing yeah. this you and know like oh i don't guarded. know what to do what and she's being guarded by that guy, and he like starts touching her and yeah. stuff. And I'm like, this has never happened in a Bond film. I'm not right. saying. I mean, I, I'm I'm not saying that a bad guy wouldn't wouldn't want to touch Brudeklin. I'm just saying that like, yeah, the way it's that just scene's a, it's filmed, just an ugliness to it that yeah. you don't need. It's like no, that's that's not like that's like Death Wish or something. That's not yeah, James Bond. <laughs> exactly, it's Death Wish for sure. <laughs> um. But yeah, I like I I like her a lot. I've seen her like she's great in The Wicker Man, and yeah. I, I I like her in a lot of stuff. But yeah, but it's just character shitty. And and also, I think Roger Moore takes a bit of a step back. I don't think it's his fault. I think it's just the way they write Bond in this. Uh, I think he's mm-hmm. a little like he's almost like 
he's almost he's almost like too mean at times. Like they kind of try to bring like that kind of Connery esque, and I just don't think that's Roger Moore. Yeah, he slaps around yeah. Maude Adams. Yeah, and I just, yeah he slaps just, around Maude that's Adams not Roger at one Moore. point. And I think mm. they figure that out pretty quickly. Uh, the next film you're gonna, mm-hmm. it's like you're in a completely different franchise uh, after you after you've watched this. Yep. Uh, Live and Let Die like halfway mm-hmm. gets there. Man with a Golden Gun kind of like takes everything back <laughs> quite a bit. Uh, and then we mm-hmm. get Spy Who Loves Me and, 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 and on from there. But, uh, yeah, I, there's just not, I, I can't, out of Chris, outside of Christopher Lee, there's just not much to recommend here. And Christopher Lee's not even doing anything that interesting, but it's just, it's Christopher Lee. He's a good presence and he's, he's, he's scary, mm-hmm. uh, or he can be, he's intimidating, mm-hmm. uh, a lot more intimidating than like, you know, fucking Blofeld was and like diamonds are forever. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think I have. We had to do the rankings, but before that, did you have anything else? Oh, I will say, I thought Goodnight, at least the Elizabeth Hurley and Heather um, Heather Graham, uh, bon, uh, Austin Powers, mm-hmm. the first two Austin Powers movies, I felt like Goodnight might have been, maybe was part of the inspiration for some of those, because she kind of, and maybe because Probably. of how kind of more bland her character is, maybe that's where they were, you know, showing choosing to use the parody, uh, especially with Heather Graham. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Heather Graham is 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 trying to learn to be like how Austin Powers is, and and uh, and yeah. uh, it shows the d- dynamics of when she sleeps with someone yeah, compared exactly. to Austin Powers sleeping with someone. Like you know, there's a there's a you know a double standard there, and blah blah blah. But that, yeah, I I agree. I think that's that it, she's probably patterned after her. That's and I'm not a huge Austin Powers fan by any means. The first two films are fine, like they have their moments, and then I, I thought Goldmember was pretty terrible. Mm-hmm. But um, although that opening Goldmember is kind of funny, yeah. but um, but I do think it's funny. People do criticize it, especially they say like it hasn't held up well. There's a lot of like non PC stuff, which that's kind of part of the joke. But sometimes it still does go a little far. Like you have the you have the two Asian characters named Fook Me and Fook You, you know yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. But um, and in but this movie, it's say- Chew Me. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. Yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that. Mm-hmm. But like you said, there is still those like they are showing like that double standard and stuff like that, which is mm-hmm. which is which is something not, I don't think people talk about in those movies enough. Yeah. But, uh, but they're still they're they're I don't know they're fine. I never was a huge fan. Um. So yeah. So I guess we'll get into our ranking, which we've probably already kind of given these away, uh, which is fine. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to rank these films in five different categories. Our scale will be based on something that Bond holds near and dear to his heart, as long as they are shaken and not stirred, and that would be martinis. So for each category, we go one to five martinis, five being the best damn liquid that has ever passed your lips, one being the well liquor you had to settle for or were too drunk to care that night. Um, I actually, I think I had going into this, I had the overall like story and stuff at a two, I think the movie is very much like a two star movie, uh, but I'm going to still give this a one because mm. this is a really not a good story in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I don't know how to not give it that. So yeah, I That's- think if anything deserves a one, it's this one, and um, th- it'll be interesting to see what uh, ends up on the bottom here once we see all the bottom feeders. But, yeah, exactly. But. Uh, but- yeah, I'm gonna go one as well, uh, and it's sad, but there's not much here, and it's, it's too confusing. There's too many bad things going on, and yeah, you can't really give it much more than what it is. Oddly enough, I think this is we this is weirdly highly rated on the IMDb. Like six point seven is not a high rating by any means, but it's yeah. higher than I think it deserves. 
Um, oh, absolutely. And so, like, I don't know what people are seeing out of this. Maybe it's a button. Uh, maybe actually, six point seven may be wrong. Oh, it is a six point seven. So on the IMDb, both this and Live and Let Die have a six point seven. And they're, they're, That's not to right. me, that makes no sense that this one is is rated just as high. Um, it makes sense that Live and Let Die has a six point seven. This one should be like down in that. Ugh. 5.9 6.1 kind yeah, of territory i think so too even like die another day is at 6.1 which god that seems way yeah, too high yep. from what i remember about that yep, one but yep. uh i i don't really hear people talk about this one i don't know that i've heard too many people say this is like their least favorite it's definitely my least favorite so far mm-hmm. uh, of the ones we've watched but i've never heard anybody really praise it either maybe i've heard people every now and then say it's a little underrated mm-hmm. um you know, people that really, maybe people that really just love Christopher Lee and just, mm-hmm. you know, re- IMDb ratings are so hard to figure out though. Like they it's are. funny with horror films. I've always heard a lot of other podcasters say if it's 5.0 or high, like if it's, if it's 5.0 or higher on IMDb as a horror film, it's probably pretty good. This is correct. Uh, yeah. One thing that I noticed about a lot of independent films, not just horror, uh, yeah. is yeah, that true. Uh, a movie that I think is great uh I often will have these low ratings and I'm like, just imagine if you put actors that people knew in these movies, yeah, they would suddenly be like seven, 7.5, those type of things. But yeah, I, that 6.7 is way too high, mm-hmm. <laughs> way too high. Yep. Uh, but that's fine. Um, let's see. So our next one is the bond. So Roger Moore's performance in this. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, he's right now he's still pretty even keel. It's three for me. I don't really yeah. have much to say about that. It's not overwhelmingly good, not not particularly bad. No, I'm on the lower side of three because I do think he took a bit of a step back, but he's still fine. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, he never, like, I don't know. I, I just, I think he's kind of, I think the character is kind of all over the place tonally in this one, which is kind of unfortunate, but. Uh, especially when he seemed pretty self-assured and stuff in the, in, in live and let die. Like he already kind of seemed to know what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And then this feels like, this feels like a hard, this feels like they're having a hard time, like, like, like figuring out how to write after Connery. Whereas in live and let die, it seemed like they had already figured it out. But then for some reason they take a step back in this one. Maybe it's because they brought Maybon back. You know, he, he didn't write live and let die. So Maybe he was throwing some Connery, more Connery Bond stuff in there. I don't know. But I, I'm going to give it a three. I'm on the low end of it, but I'll give it a three. Uh, the villain uh, and the henchman. So it's uh, it's Scaramanga and Knickknack. I guess high fat, kind of. But uh, yeah, what do you mm, think? Yeah, I mean, Christopher Lee is going to get... <laughs> the problem is, is not Christopher Lee, but it's just what they do with him. So... He's a three. He elevates it to a three. Uh, mm-hmm. High fat is nothing to me in this. I no. mean, it's just it, it doesn't doesn't do anything for me. Uh, he's one. He's not needed. Yeah, he's a, he's a one to me. Um, so yeah, that's uh, how it goes. I think. And then if you want to put Herbie Villachez in there, he's a one for me. He's too annoying for me. I understand. I understand that he's got. I mean, you can find him endearing, or you can find him annoying. Yeah, and I just I found think him that's annoying. That's all it is. I think he's just got some natural charm to him, but uh, but the character is like just really annoying. It makes no sense why Scaramanga has anything to do with him. 
Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I'm on the lower end of a three here too, just because of Christopher Lee. Christopher Lee, though, I will say this is not as, this is not the worst film I've ever seen with him in it. Uh, he is in uh, this movie. Uh, it was the first sequel to The Howling. Mm-hmm. It's called The Howling Two. Your sister is a werewolf. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's one of the worst things you'll ever watch. I don't recommend it. But I know there's there's some interview. I think there's like an interview with Lee talking about it. You could probably just type in Christopher Lee talks about American. I mean, Howling Two, and you might be able to find it on YouTube. But I can't remember exactly what he said. Uh, but it was pretty funny. Uh, the gadgets and the gizmos, there's nothing here. Uh, unless you're going to count like the plane and stuff, which I don't. So mm-hmm. I don't even, I mean, I almost feel like this should just get like a not applicable. Yeah. Um, I think we finally get into some gadgets and spy who love me, but I'm probably wrong. Um, mm-hmm. Because, okay, we have not talked about this song yet. Okay. So this is, this is performed by Lulu. Yeah, uh, who I know really nothing about other mm-hmm. than she did this song. Uh, and I mean, I'm sure she's done a lot of great things. I don't know. What do you think of the song? Oh, this song sucks. <laughs> this is not a good this is this doesn't fit with anything that Bond has done. And <laughs> the only thing that I can I can tell you is that it is somewhat catchy. It is. As someone once told me, so is a cold. Yes. So, yes. you know, um, but uh, it's a bit catchy, but I don't like it when movies that have these mysterious, beautiful songs like Bond is known for yeah. get into this almost comedy-esque, yeah. you know, the man with the golden gun. I don't like that type of stuff. I don't. It doesn't get me in the mood to see this big action picture, so I didn't really like it at all. There's a there's a Game of Thrones season eight uh, episode we send on TV since I don't remember which episode it is, but um, when uh, Lannister when 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 he shows up, is it Jamie Lannister? Is that the mm-hmm. blot? Mm-hmm. Okay, when he shows up, you know he's got like a he's got like a golden he's got like a prosthetic hand now, mm-hmm. and it's gold. So there's this part where he somebody asks a question. I don't remember what the question was, but then I just had Aaron come in and say, he's the man with the golden mm. hand. <laughs> and I'm just saying, hearing Aaron Dicer singing that was, mm-hmm. was beautiful. Um, yeah. Because this movie, yeah, the song's not good. Uh, it is catchy. Uh, I think Lulu performs it the way they wanted it to. I just think it's another one, kind of like Diamonds Are Forever, that just comes out as like, kind of comes off as like Goldfinger light. Mm-hmm. Uh, like they were kind of going for that feel, but then, like you said, it almost turns into like a parody. Like it's almost like, like Weird Al singing Spy Hard, mm-hmm. you know, at the beginning yeah. of that Leslie Nielsen movie, mm-hmm. uh, which I highly recommend looking up. I wouldn't watch that movie, but the the opening credits thing is yeah. pretty funny. Um, but yeah, no, I. What did you say? A two? Is that or no, one? No, this is what, one. It's a one easily. I, I'll give. Uh, it's but it is catchy. I don't know. It's somewhere between a one and a two for me. It's, mm-hmm. it's definitely not good. It mm-hmm. gets stuck in your head though. Like, like diamonds are forever. I forget as soon as I'm done watching that movie, like mm-hmm. man with a golden gun will stay in my head for a week. Yeah. But anyways, yes. So those are our thoughts overall on the movie. We have one more segment. It is called the spy who reads me. Reading is one of my very favorite things to do. I'm not reading that crap. Summarize it in one word. Now you want to talk about reading? Let's talk about reading. How can you read this? There's no pictures. Cinema Sins might have taught you that the book doesn't matter, but for this segment, we're willing to concede it at least kind of does. We're going to give you the nitty gritty on what is similar to what you saw on the screen, what is different, and there will be plenty of what the hell was Ian Fleming smoking when he wrote this. This is Ian Fleming's last novel. Uh, This was uh, the... I didn't... I didn't write the number. I think it's the 13th novel, but it's the final novel. There are a couple of short story collections uh, released after this. And there has also been 
uh, a bunch of Bond books written since then by various other authors. Mm-hmm. Um, so actually, uh, one of the things I had, uh, Goodheart is actually in a few of the novels. Um, good night. Good. God damn it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like I really want to put a heart somewhere mm-hmm. in there, like either in her last name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> good night. Mm-hmm. Uh, is in what were the other two? I think I wrote this down. She was in Honor Majesty's Secret Service and You Only Live Twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, she also pops up uh, Jeffrey Deaver, who's a mystery thriller. Uh, he wrote The Bone Collector, mm-hmm. uh, which is what that movie was based on. Um, uh, he wrote a James Bond novel called Carte Blanche, uh, and that was her last appearance as of today. Like mm-hmm. she hasn't she hasn't been in any other novels, but she's been in a few. But this was his last book. Uh, it was released in 1965 posthumously. Uh, he sh- he actually died after delivering his first draft. And reportedly, he di- he wasn't happy with it. So I don't know if there's stuff he would have changed. This really wasn't that bad of a book, though. Like, it's, it's, it's kind of like the movie where there's not a lot to it. But mm-hmm. the Scaramanga stuff is, is, is still kind of fun to read, especially if you picture Christopher Lee. Um, mm-hmm. If they had just filmed this the way it was, I think it would have been better. Uh, but it's still not, it's not a great book. Uh, the novel is set in Jamaica. Uh, I think it's pretty clear. They just didn't want to do another, Mm -hmm. uh, Jamaica type setting or Caribbean setting. So I totally get that. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then with the popularity of martial arts films and, and all this stuff they were trying to, so they ended up deciding to use, uh, the far East in the movie, but the novel actually takes place in Jamaica. Uh, Scaramanga is, I I don't know if you'd say he's, he's, he's more just like, he's trying to start a criminal empire. Mm-hmm. Like he's doing things with like drug smuggling. He's got prostitution rings, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the weird big thing he's trying to do, which is totally ripping off Goldfinger, but instead of trying to devalue the the value of gold, he's trying to uh, devalue the value of sugar mm. so he can jack up the prices because that's obviously a hot commodity mm-hmm. uh, in places like Jamaica, is like the sugar cane and 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 whatnot. So that's kind of what he's doing in this. Um, you only live twice, which is the novel that came before this that ended on a cliffhanger, uh, where bond was in Russia investigating a crisis. Uh, and then something happens and then you don't really know what's happening next. This one opens up with bond has been brainwashed by the Russians and has been sent to kill M. And he almost, I don't know if he almost does it, but once he gets there to kill him, they figure out that he's been brainwashed and it's kind of like, how he gets over his wife's death so quickly in the movies. Like all of a sudden he's fine. Mm. And Elm's like, I'm going to send you on a mission. So you're not bored sitting at home. It's Mm. like, none of it makes any sense. Mm -hmm. It's like, this guy almost killed you and could still be brainwashed a little bit. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's, I don't know. It's like Fleming had a great idea, but then he just didn't know what to do with it. So he just kind of threw it under the rug. Uh, A lot of characters aren't in the book. Uh, Knickknack is not in the book. Uh, Scaramanga has a group of criminals, but there's no one that's like specifically like his henchman or anything. Mm-hmm. And there's no one described like Nick Knack. Mm-hmm. Uh, J.W. Pepper's not surprisingly not in it. Hip's not in it because it's not set in the, right. in the Far East anymore. And uh, Andrea Anders, the Maude Adams character, is also not in the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, one character that is in the book that is left out of the movie is Felix Leiter. Uh, he shows up <laughs> towards the end of the novel mm-hmm. uh, for the climax. Um, so yeah, uh, Scaramanga is still an assassin. Uh, like I said, but he is, but like I already said, he's, he's at this point, he's trying to not, he's trying to start a criminal empire at this point. So he's not doing that as much. 
Uh, his backstory is about the same. He is Spanish, or he has Spanish descent. Uh, and the book also implies pretty strongly that he's gay. Mm-hmm. So that's something they obviously didn't include in the movie, which is kind of interesting, I guess, because they created that Maude Adams character. But it's not like they were scared to do that, you know, as we saw in Diamonds or Forever. So yeah, I kind of wish they had done that. Maybe even made like Hellman, uh, Hervé a couple. Well, and considering that they, um, they were worried about making the the bad guys black in the last movie, and maybe they maybe they got some some flack for that, and they may have gotten some flack for making bad guys gay in the other. One. Maybe Biden, they just yeah. wanted to avoid that kind of thing, where like, and, oh well, I guess every gay guy and every black person is is bad, huh? They yeah, just want gotcha. to kind of avoid that. So. That's a good point. And I will say, the novel never just comes right. Like, there's not like a it's not like a gay sex scene or anything in the novel, right. but it's just. It's it's pretty clear that he is. I mean, and mm-hmm. people people are suggesting that they think he is and all that kind of stuff. So it definitely doesn't stray away from it. Uh, but it's also written by Fleming, who has interesting opinions about things. So sometimes yeah. you don't you don't know if he's just being a dick or if he's mm-hmm. actually trying to trying to do something interesting. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, there's not a whole lot else to it. Uh, oh, <laughs> this is the other thing that was funny. Uh, Bond ends up working as Scaramanga's personal assistant for a bit. And I don't know if you remember this, but that was the thing in Goldfinger in the novel where uh, when Bond, when he decided to save Bond from the laser, he decided Goldfinger made him his personal secretary for a while. Mm-hmm. That felt kind of similar in this, although Bond is kind of more undercover in this. Uh, but uh, there is a duel at the end. Uh, but it's a little different. Um, it's more like a straight up duel. And, Scaramanga gets shot, but he runs off into the into like the the forest or whatever in Jamaica or the swamp. He runs off into like the swamp area, mm-hmm. and Bond follows them. There's no giant squid, unfortunately. Damn. But I know. But they just shoot each other, and uh, Bond just survives his bullet, and uh, Scaramanga doesn't. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not. There's not a lot to it. Uh, the one funny thing, though, and I I think based on your now your love of. Uh, of uh, the actress who plays Goodnight, uh, Bond declines the chance to get knighted uh, because he would rather hang back and have sex with Goodnight. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And the novel pretty much just comes right out and says that. But yeah, that's uh, that's uh, I almost said the spy who loves me. That's uh, the man with the golden gun. Also, before we go, we have social media. Uh, you can reach us on Twitter. Uh, we are at GoldSpy007. Uh, you can also reach out to me directly on Twitter. I am at SamLumis13. You can email us at golddiamonddeath007 at gmail.com. And if you like this podcast and other things under the CinemaSins brand, we also have a Patreon you can join at patreon.com slash CinemaSins. And if you have a second to leave us a five-star review at your podcast listening app of choice, we would appreciate it. Thank you all for joining us this week. Uh, We hope you will join us again next week. We will talk about the spy who loved me. Until then, keep the martinis dry and shaken, the Baccarat shoe moving, and the Aston Martin fully gassed. This is Chris Atkinson and Jonathan Watkins signing off, and we will see you next mission. (laughs) 